And yeah, that was it. Um, welcome to the Evil Podcast of Evil, the uh, podcast retrospective of the 2008 web series Dr. Horrible's Sing Along Blog. I'm Tyler Boudreau. And I'm Condra Boudreau. The Amateur Nerds have started our next project. Uh, this is our Dr. Horrible series. Yeah, we can only take one week off. It's not even two. We were trying to give ourselves two, and we're like, no, let's start this now. Well, who says when we're going to release this? That's, but I want the people at home to know we are dedicated to you, and we just oh, like yeah. recording. <laughs> yes. Slash talking to each other. <laughs> also, yes. Also, my evil laugh was very... Um, what is that word? Uh, uh, like like Uncle Deadly in the Muppets? Yes. 2011 also, movie? Yes. But I was thinking there's that like voice term, vo- vocal fry. That's what it was. That was a very vocal oh, yeah. fry evil laugh for me. I went really deep. I went with the... Yeah. Yeah. No, and that, you know, we're thinking about this because we have standards. Yes. <laughs> a lot of guys ignore the laugh, Condra. It's really important. So, yeah, we're talking about... The the beginning. So this is so we we in the past we did a movies by minute analysis of Fantastic Mr. Fox, and now we are go listen to that if you haven't heard it yet. Binge it; it's all out. I mean, skip until like episode twenty or something. That's not true. Thirteen was a boss episode. I had an existential crisis. You want to hear real Gen Z existentialism? Listen to that episode. All right, start at episode thirteen. That's canon where you should start. (laughs) Um. So, we're, but we're covering Doctor Horrible in chunks. Um, you don't use that word. I hate that word. Please don't use that word. We're doing in segments. In segments, um, not minute segments. Basically, it, is someone doing the Goonies minute because then they could watch it in chunks? Oh, I just hate that <laughs> word. <laughs> it's my version of moist. Hey, nobody wants to be moist. Exactly. So, yeah, so this section of the segment of the series that we're watching, it's also technically a web series, not a movie or anything. This segment of the web series goes from the beginning to the end of five minutes and 30 seconds, which is kind of the intro of the series with just Dr. Horrible talking to camera up through 530, which is the end of the first song, My Freeze Ray. So this web series was written by... Written and directed by Joss Whedon. Thank you. My brain just like blanked. Um, also, also written by him and his brothers, uh, Jed and Zach, and also Marissa something. The only reason I know her, her first name is because that's what the, how they refer to her in commentary the musical. And I'm using both of my devices to communicate right now. So give me a second. I will find this out. Oh, okay. So here we go. Uh, Joss Whedon, Jed Whedon, Zach Whedon, as I said, and then also Ben Edlund, who is uncredited for one episode. I don't know what that is about. And Marissa Tancharin, um, Tancharin, who is credited for all three episodes. So I'm guessing generally it's the main four, and then that one one guy might have helped with a story thing. So or Jack maybe Witt, a song or something. Yeah. Joss, Joss, Zach, Jed, and Marissa are the main writers, and Joss Whedon directed it. All three episodes? Yes. We could talk later about how this takes place during uh, the writer's strike, and that's why they're producing this on the internet for kind of a low-budget type thing. But that's for when we cover Commentary the Musical. Yeah. 
And 2008 was, and just to give some general history background, 2008 was like early internet existence online. Yeah, YouTube was around. YouTube came out in 2006, 2005. So yeah. it wasn't like the phenomenon. It was still the age of like Charlie the Unicorn, Charlie Bit My Finger, the Angry yeah. Squirrel. Like, home, that like kind. homemade clips and like stuff like that. Nothing nothing was professionally produced on YouTube yet. Even vloggers at the time were very low edited. It was very chill. This was like a yeah. big production considering the internet world. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of shows like there weren't shows being produced for the internet yet. I don't even know where this was released. Yeah, um, I don't. I know I bought it on iTunes back in the yeah. day when like it came out, and I watched it on my iPod Color. I had a purple; it was beautiful. I well, might still have it somewhere. I'm the one who bought it on iTunes, so well, actually, it was probably my iTunes gift card though, because I was the one at I was the right age to be getting the iTunes gift cards for all of the holidays. I I only know that I bought it because I was going to buy the soundtrack, and then I realized that it was literally cheaper to just buy the three episodes of the show than it was to buy the whole soundtrack, so that's what I did. Nice. And I got to watch it on many a plane flight. Indeed. Okay. So, yes. um, In terms of the content of the segment that we are watching, the kind of opening credits are just kind of like a flash, about 10 seconds of Mm -hmm. Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog pops up on the screen, and then you get a couple credits... Uh, for Neil Patrick Harris, Nathan. Felicia Day, and Nathan Fillion, and then directed by Joss Whedon. And then it, we kind of jump right into Dr. Horrible practicing his evil laugh on camera. And I just want to talk about Neil Patrick Harris for a minute. This is kind of oh, my... We'll be talking about Neil Patrick Harris for many, many, many minutes. But as like initial thoughts about Neil Patrick Harris, I believe, I'm pretty sure, this web series was my first introduction to nph and it's so good he is so good he just straight faces so much of it he's such a funny actor and really likable and care like he's very charismatic and him in this role is perfect like i love felicia day i love nathan fillion too and i think they are also perfect in this but like neil patrick harris is dr horrible I quote this web series all the time, and I'm always yeah, quoting in terms the, of the NPH. timing and the quotes. Yeah, like you're right. It's like he nails every single. Line. There's like three things I wrote down just in the, these couple minutes of like like awesome quotes that like instantly gifable, like completely worthwhile. And let it not go unstated that the first like four minutes of this show is Neil Patrick Harris talking into camera. Just going like one all like all one unbroken shot, just like like a vlogger would like just talking into camera and it holds your attention. I, I mean, maybe the first time I watched it, I got a little bored. I, I don't remember the first time I watched it, but like it's enough. It's there. And he deadpans in such a good way. And he's also this like it's these slight subtleties in his acting. So he's like fingers crossed and you see his hand come up and it's fully gloved. It's the glove. Yeah. And or just the simplicity of the he doing the evil laugh and then he's going ha 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 and then he's like so that's, that's you coming, know, along. coming along <laughs> and just like and that like I'm I, I'm gonna say this a bunch but like that tells you everything you need to know about the tone of the show is that like oh it's this and then it's this it's 
classic Joss Whedon, like, I don't know, subverting expectations, as it were. Until um, later in his career, but that's fine. He's no Ryan Johnson, but, you know, he's fairly good at this. Oh, yeah. No, I love Firefly. I'm a huge Firefly fan, and I am eventually going to find the time to watch Buffy. The second Masters is killing me in my life, but... In in terms of um, where this falls in Joss Whedon's career, too, I don't think we mentioned this, like... He had he had big success up like through the late '90s, early 2000s by producing Buffy and then Firefly and Angel and stuff like that. And then I guess like I don't really know where his career was in this period, other than he did this, and then he would get the Avengers a few years later, and like that would be big, and then his career would kind of have its highest heights and its lowest lows from there. But like it's kind of an interesting part to look at. Definitely. And I think people say this all the time. And while I haven't seen Buffy, I know enough about it that he writes women well. I can speak from Firefly. I really enjoy the way he writes those female characters. They're all strong, independent woman TM. <laughs> but in not an obnoxious way. Yeah, he does it in a, in a, in a balanced way that it's not like... People don't criticize him for being an SJW, as it were. Like... He just writes normal people, it feels like. Absolutely. And I think that's across the board. Even his bad, like his bad guys still have likable moments. Um, Mark Shepard is one of the villains in Firefly and, or not villains per se, but he's definitely an antagonist in a lighter sense. But he picks people with charisma. And I think that's what helps because all the people in this, in this web series, are so likable even if you don't know who they are they just come across as likable people and it's the simplicity of the cast and it's a big part of what the show is we're talking about neil patrick harris playing dr horrible here our introduction to him is kind of this fun quirky like i'm talking into camera and i've got some sass but also i'm vulnerable like you're like you're very geared to like this character and in terms of like the character building that's occurring within these few minutes like we get a lot here um uh, right away he's talking about the evil laugh and he talks about bad horses terrifying death winnie terrifically funny line but then that transitions into him talking about his application to get into the evil league of evil how he's got a letter of condemnation from the deputy mayor and it's still like are like okay so we're rooting for him i guess but we're also like okay he's evil like we're getting this kind of stuff in the character. but And then we also get him talking about the transmatter ray. Very funny bit where he like holds up the bag of brown slop that's supposed to be gold bars that he transported from a bank. And we can tell, okay, like he's a little bit of like a, a goof, a mess up. Like he do, his things don't always go as planned. And then he kind of backtra- backtracks what he was trying to say by talking about the status quo and he's like it's not about making money it's about taking money destroying the status quo because the status is not quo the world's just a mess and i need to rule it i wonder i love that line that's like one of my favorite lines from this whole series and i think all of what you were just saying is exposition in the least clunky way because it is super enjoyable you're kind of like thrown in there it's like stepping into a conversation and being like can i understand who these people are 
in a short amount of time as possible based on what they're saying. And the fact that he is an anti-hero is wonderful. <laughs> well, he is. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In both this, the literal this is, and... This is kind of... Yeah, and this is kind of before this phrase anti-hero became a cliche in pop culture. Definitely. So, yeah, all of these little moments, I think, just builds your understanding of the world we're in because it's like our own, but not quite. And who is yeah. who is Bad Horse? It leaves enough, like, lingering things that you're like, ooh, if this was, like, the first chapter of a book, I would be sold. Like, tonally, yeah. it's so good. It's such a good hook. Yeah, and, like, like we were saying, like, Neil Patrick Harris is such a likable person. I, I was talking recently with people i guess like like i guess there's a pop a, a segment of the population that doesn't like him i guess it's the when we were talking about how it's the kind of thing where people just like like to hate on talented slash outgoing slash like successful people mm-hmm. and yeah i guess neil patrick harris sometimes falls into that category because he's so uber talented because he's got the acting and the singing and, the and he does dancing. like magic tricks yeah like in terms of Neil Patrick Harris, like he's one of the most talented people. Like we're talking about someone like who had a sitcom role for eight years, and that was nothing like broad- his normal self. To like his range yeah. in who he, well, uh, who I perceive he is as a human based on things online and whatnot. I don't know him personally. Yeah. I wish I did. Well, it shouldn't go without saying that, like. Barney Stinson on How I Met Your Mother is like a problematic playboy type Literal trash bag. And Neil Patrick Harris in real life seems to be a very positive, outgoing gay man. Very human. Kind of inversely, like like very inverse to that character, which is part of what makes it so funny. Yeah, very grounded too. I don't know if he was, how out he was when the beginning of How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Uh, but his family is adorable and they go to Disney all the time and they post the cutest little pictures and their Halloween costumes are always so good. And I'm just like, please, I want to be your friend. And then I feel like Neil Patrick Harris's Broadway success yes. mostly comes from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he's done other stuff around, but I think that's his like most iconic thing that he's done. Definitely. I, I Yeah, no, that definitely broke him onto the especially when he started doing all the Tonys. I think that was yeah, what kind I mean, of broke him in there. Hosted the Tonys. And then when he hosted the Oscars, people kind of, that, that was kind of when the people were like, Ugh, Neil Patrick Harris, lame. And it was just like, well, no, you're hosting the Oscars. Like, it's going to be lame. Sorry. Yeah. But he, his Tonys, he's done it a bunch of times. And I will go back and rewatch all of his Tony openings because he just has a great voice and like dancing skills. So it's nice to have him singing here. And My Freeze Ray is such a funny little song because it kind of introduces you to, oh, he's also a normal human. Could there be like these villains all around and how do they live their normal lives? It's kind of like Wicked, the Broadway musical slash book by Gregory Maguire that explores the life of the Wicked Witch of the West, but in a much funnier way. Yeah. If you want, do you want to get into my freeze right now, or I had, I still had a couple. Sure, of things no, I you can go to... ahead. I was just trying to get us back on track. Yeah, oh yeah, just Neil Patrick Harris, like like you were saying, just he he's playing this evil character, and he's also playing a real person, and that's the strength 
on a line like, wow, sarcasm, that's original. Like, very 2008 in nature. <laughs> but I still use it today because it's so good. Yeah. He, like, the, the, the stuff like him looking into the camera and, like, fixing his headset. Mm-hmm. And... Um, just like the fact that he's reading out emails on his blog, like but t- like he's printed them out on paper. It is yeah. so mid two thousands that it like hurts. Yeah, but also it's so uh, good. I also want to point out uh, his his quote unquote nemesis Johnny Snow. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's the joke about Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. Um, well, and what's going on there? Was that part of the? It's it's not like an intentional reference. Okay, I didn't know because I've uh, not seen Game of Thrones still, and I didn't know. I don't know timeline when Game of Thrones started coming out versus Game of Thrones started coming out on TV around 2010, but it had been out for oh yeah, the books book I know had been for many yeah years. oh yeah. yeah. I was thinking it reminded me more his characterization and like what he says about Jon Snow reminds me more of Johnny Storm from the Fantastic Four okay minus that That, that it's like fire versus ice kind of thing but that air that is that is kind of interesting like like yeah we don't know anything about like what johnny snows like like if he has powers or anything maybe or if he's just a really aggressive bro who wants to fight everyone yeah or as uh dr horrible says just a poser in a parka yeah um and then we also get this interesting line that dr horrible says about there being kids in dooley park so he wouldn't want to do a fight there which kind of also gives us a a glimpse into dr horrible's kind of like code of ethics like he's evil but he has standards yeah like he has a morality to him and i guess that's something we'll come back to like and keep thinking about throughout the show uh but yeah so moving into my freeze right so he's reading out this email from uh a fan named Dead Not Sleeping. And Relatable. He, <laughs> the the email says, like, you're always saying you're going to show her the way that you're going to show her who's a true villain. Like, who's her? And then Neil Patrick Harris kind of gets lost in thought. And we hear the, uh, the first notes of the song start playing. And then all of a sudden we transition to Neil Patrick Harris singing Laundry Day, See You There, Under Things Tumbling. And we're in a laundromat. We're seeing Felicia Day throwing her underwear quite delightfully into a washing machine. And this is when I was saying I was going to say it again, but, like, this song transition also tells you everything you need to know about the tone of this series overall. Like, okay, it's a balance between, like, monologue and musical number, like, and then the style of the musical number is just kind of this, like, happy, jaunty piece about, like, a boy having a crush. So it's, like, it's interesting. Like... You know what I mean. Well, even the physical acting of Neil Patrick Harris in the opening shot, like in the laundry day line with his shoulders all hunched and him looking awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. He says so much like you have the vocals, which are very soft and insecure and like uncertain. And then you have him physically doing that. And it just it gives you a great sense of who he is as both sides of him so it's kind of like getting to getting to know clark kent just as much as you know superman and it's a good point because when we're rooting for dr horrible we're rooting for we're we're rooting for him to get what he wants personally because we know we know every side of him Mm -hmm. we know the kind of human and the super side of him it's like spider-man like his conflicts you love peter and you love spider-man 
individually, yeah. but that makes the individual of Peter Parker slash Spider-Man that more lovable. Oh, oh, and the conflicts contradict each other. Mm. Because it's it's often that Spider-Man's personal conflicts are getting in the way of his super conflicts or vice versa. Like, he can never live a normal life because he's a superhero. And if he was just a superhero and he didn't have a normal life, then what does that mean to be a, a human being? Like, And the same conflict for Dr. Horrible here. Like, we want him to have success being a supervillain, but we also want him to, like, talk to a girl and, like... Part of the whole conflict of this whole show is that, like, is there a common ground where, like, you can be successful in that way? And we're not going to get to the end and figure out what that is, but we will definitely keep that in mind as we continue throughout this <laughs> series. Yeah. Um, I think it's Felicia Day, too, in this this introduction to Felicia Day's character of Penny is so good. She is such an interesting yeah. character. Although I will say, like, rewatching her, I definitely like her more in Act 2. But I don't know if that's just because she has more, like, screen time and stuff. Yeah, she doesn't really get, like, anything to work with in this uh, segment. Other than, who starts throwing your laundry individually and then it's like, ah, I'm going to dump it all in. I mean, saying that that way, I've definitely done that before where I'm like, eh, it'll all fit. Sometimes you put a little bit in to just, like, get the what's in the bat in the basket more bearable like you do a couple handfuls and then you're like okay but she was doing it like individually by the undergarment well she likes doing laundry she has fun doing laundry as this will as will be established later like yeah it is it's very (laughs) i like my freeze right i love the balance too that it establishes between you still get to see dr horrible singing my freeze right and see billy his human alter ego doing laundry watching felicia day's character in in a creepy way but uh (laughs) from the context you also think it's kind of cute but it is like it is a little creepy it sets up the logic of the fictional universe of like the musical universe where it's like okay when a musical is happening people are singing in blog world people are singing in the real world it's kind of cross-cutting in between he has the part where he, like, hand-freezes Felicia, and, like, that's just kind of a cutesy moment. There's the part, there's, like, the dream sequence where they're dancing together. Well, I together. think the freezing moment, too, just, it establishes what the device does, because you hear Freeze Ray, and you might think... Stops time. Gonna be big. Well, yeah, but you get to see it in action, kind of. Yeah, his kind of hypothetical, like, the idea that it stops time for yeah. a person, and, like, they can't move. Yeah. So it's more a freezing of space-time as opposed to time. Yeah. Yeah. So highlights of the My Freeze Ray segment for me are the um, the window shot. The window shot where everyone's kind of like opening the windows to the dryers. And you can see Neil Patrick Harris in the back. And then eventually Felicia Day opens one. And it's kind of an interesting perspective. And then, yeah, there's a part where Neil Patrick Harris is like bouncing his shoulders. All the time. And it's so funny. But I want to I want to get back to this kind of point you were making about it being creepy about Dr. Horrible, because I this is something I want to come back to overall with this show is kind of viewing this show in the lens of 2019. And like we're we're coming out we're coming out with this show in a time where like, I don't know, like the new Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix is coming out and it like 
it looks like a good movie, but it's also like how much more in life do we need about like a bad a guy who like gets rejected in life and then decides to become evil. And that's a little bit of what happens in this series, although it it was 11 years ago when this wasn't as much of a cliche slash this is a great commentary on that mm-hmm. cliche um, because it is not siding with Neil, with Dr. Horrible really in the end, in the grand scheme of things. But just watching this whole thing from a 29 point of view, understanding that things like, or not things, people like incels and kind of like your, your proud boys and like right wing adjacent, like, like extremist, potentially violent characters, really just having kind of this hatred of women for no reason and kind of just having this kind of evil mindset. Not just women, too. I would say, like, we're seeing this in daily life to some extent, and it is a little scary. And Homophobia, racism, it's all there, yeah. And to have it kind of in this format where it is jokey and you don't, you like like Billy as a person, but you recognize he has this really dark other side and he can get really intense and like the things he does in this movie, it's not okay. And while it's played as a joke, you still like know at the end of the day, it's not okay. Yeah, well, th- there are some complications in his character wherein, like, he's, like, saying that, like, there's kids in the park. Like, we do tell a little bit of his morals, but But I And I will definitely get to this at the end, like, how it ends. Because it is this fractious sentiment of, is he good? Does he regret what he's doing? Is he bad? Is he enjoying himself? Is he somehow split and, like, everyone deals with these, like, good and bad thoughts and it depends on which you play out on? Which, right now, yeah. where we are in the, the series, he's does little things. He's a letter of condemnation from the deputy mayor and he's, like, stolen gold bars, but we don't see him physically and hurting he's, like, people. creepily watching a girl. Yeah, the creepily <laughs> watching a girl... I'm going to put in a different category. But also in an innocent way where it's like he just has a crush It's like someone sitting in the back of the schoolroom and being like, ooh, she's really pretty. Or like, I want to get to know her kind of thing or whatever. Get to know him, they, whomever. It's not not really established or anything that he's like taking pictures of her or like anything like over the line. He's just like, sometimes you see a pretty girl on the laundromat and you're like, oh, that's a pretty girl. I wonder if I'll ever talk to her. It's actually, there's a word for understanding that like as you acknowledge someone you recognize that they have a life and thoughts and like purpose on their own it's called sonder or to sonder when you like come to that realization it's like wonder but begins with an s and yeah i think he has more of one of those that he wonders how his life could intersect and like experience life with her as well i want to get back to like this kind of like 4chan idea of like Dr. Horrible, just the, the one last thing I wanted to say was the interesting character trait we get about Dr. Horrible in this segment is that he kind of has this idea where he's like destroying the status quo, where he's like, he's being, I'm going to say edgy, and he's like trying to like be disruptive, almost just for the sake of being disruptive. Like he doesn't have any morals. He just likes being evil because it seems cool to him. And I think that's a big aspect of this kind of movement on the internet 
towards these kind of like hate hatred right wing tendencies where it's like like this extremism just kind of comes out of these teenagers and people on the internet just like wanting to be cool and edgy and like the way to get a reaction from people is to be hateful and be spiteful and that's and, the scariest bit of all i think yeah and what's what's interesting is that like dr horrible is still kind of like if we could probably track this on the internet like in the internet in 2008 it was probably still mostly just people being edgy in the sense that like they would like I don't know. Trolling was, was more innocent well, then. Now trolling the is very hateful. It was the time of MySpace like, too. I mean, Facebook was not really a thing yet, and it was MySpace still. And you had the idea of your top top eight. I think it was. Top and eight. Yeah. you could really like. There were some intense bullying and emotional damage around the top eight and that kind of stuff too. So yeah. it's not like it was different or it's different now or it's more intense now there was still intense bullying and like that sort of stuff oh yeah but yeah it, yeah it just it hadn't taken it hadn't taken the shift yet like and th- this is some vague like 4chan history that i know just from listening to a podcast check out robert evans online he's he's kind of he has a lot of knowledge about this but like the kind of transition where like this kind of thing started as like kind of just like edgy internet stuff. And oftentimes they were like, they had serious like climate activism and like some interesting thoughts on there. Like sometimes things would go too far, but then over time this transition, like from like from climate activism towards like just hatred and extreme extremism is like that has tracked over time. But overall, like this, this idea of like, intense like harassment on the internet is yeah you're right it's always been there yeah i just think now it's there are more opportunities and more avenues to do it where back in this 2000 yeah and the echo chamber is much oh, yeah. stronger yes because you can it's much easier to create that echo chamber for yourself and i mean i'm guilty of doing it i when i have people i follow on social media that get too intense for my mental health i shut them off and i i amplify my echo chamber i guess but at the same time i recognize that they're not good for me in mental states at times so it's one of those i'm i'm taking care of myself in a way that i can control so there's also that element too is having there's more empowerment to because there are so many more options you can kind of shut off what you don't agree with or what you don't agree with that is also harmful to you very true. And I think overall, I, what I'm trying to say is Dr. Horrible is still relevant mm-hmm. in today's world. I think that we're going to get a lot of value out of reviewing this series, both because it is extremely well made and well written. Maybe the sets come off as a little cheap. It's a web like, series. It's in terms of like it's it's a classic like it's not extremely well known, but it is a certainly a cult classic oh, to an extent. And it still has this political relevance now even more than it probably did back then so yeah because i think what it was commenting on back then had to do more with was kind of the tropes of characters like oh the hero's actually the bad guy and the villain's actually the good guy and it had to do more with the production of work as opposed to the content necessarily where the content now is what makes it relevant yeah okay um let's wrap it up um i think this will be an interesting conversation to continue going forward. Um, we're planning to have guests on all, if not most, of these episodes, but we wanted to kind of set the ground with just us because 
we're, we're the amateur nerds and we like to do our thing. But yeah, um, Chandra, we, d- we didn't really come up with any clever sign-off things for this, but um, social media, people can still follow us. On Amateur Nerds on Twitter, or you can email us, we're still Amateur Nerds Present at gmail.com. That's all is not going to change as we go from project to project because we are the Amateur Nerds and those are our projects. So, Yeah. If, if, if this is popping up in a different podcast feed, make sure you... Like rate, rate, and subscribe to this feed so that you can keep getting more episodes. If this is in a, the same feed, also do those things. But I don't know. You know what to do. You're the one listening. Hit the buttons on your phones. Smash that like button. Punch the like button like a boss. I've been watching more gaming videos again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want to take Jacksepticeye's trademark unless that also gives us eight million viewers slash subscribers. Um, what if you what if you bash in that like button like? captain hammer would bash in skulls as long as the hammer is not <laughs> okay yeah, yeah i get it okay um so yeah so this has been the evil podcast of evil uh i've been tyler boudreau i've been Condra, and we hope you have an evil day <laughs> Mwah.